Kurt Terry, Howie, Michael, and Tony look on graphic for the final two bullet points. You stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy. Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? For the last time, anything you put on that prompter, Burgundy will read. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today, and we'll leave you with it. I, I can't do it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live! This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Spencer Davidson or Nostra Davidson, it looks like we have a Syracuse basketball game to talk about tonight because it is the, it's the season opener. Finally tips off. It's SU basketball season. Syracuse basketball season. It's Cuse basketball season. How many different ways can I say that? But it just means one thing. Orange hoops. Hallelujah. Hell yeah. Can I get a witness? You can. I'm witnessing. You're witnessing and representing today. Uh, also, I am. I do have a My uh, man. Syracuse shirt underneath here. We're showing the QSportsTalk.com cameras. You can join us there or, of course, ESPN Radio here. X31 underway on a Tuesday. Uh, Glue Guy also representing the Qs today. We all know it's a basketball game day. We've been hyped for it for a long time. Admit it, it's true. Got a big old smile when I said it, didn't you? It's a meaningful basketball game on top of that. Yeah, it's not an exhibition. So the regular season starts, of course, uh, after a bye week. Football team's back at it against Louisville. You know, in reference to Burgundy and reading the teleprompter, I want to read you something from the game notes. Syracuse's meeting will be the 20th encounter in the C- series that has seen the Cardinals only 12-7 advantage over Syracuse. Since joining the league in 2014, the Cardinals have dominated the series Posting a six in one mark. Seven and one at Cardinal Stadium versus the Orange. This is the third year in a row. We are there. In other words, we're the road team. We know this. Uh, last time the Orange won in Louisville, 2007, 38 35, considered an upset. So there we go. Let's go. Rain, uh, Rainstradamus, Nostra Davidson. Let's discuss that. Then let's get into the kerfuffle. Spencer, first thoughts, top of mind. Well, it's going to be a tough game for Syracuse. I mean, you know, any road game in the ACC is a difficult game. Um, you know, Louisville has not been what we're typically used to seeing Louisville been in terms of, you know, record-wise, uh, you know, where they are at this point of the season. But, I mean, they have Malik Cunningham, and he is very difficult to stop. So it's it's, it's going to be an uphill climb for Syracuse. But, you know, this is this is a winnable game to me. Oh, you did. Yeah, did I do that? Did Two I do that? minutes in to exit 31, and you dropped winnable game. Well, I hold we, the sports cliches for at least five I minutes. Held, no, I, what do you mean for five minutes? I held off all day yesterday. <laughs> so I was just trying to make you mad so we could kerfuffle with a little bit more passion mm. in a couple minutes. Well, Continue. I'm sorry. No, it's it is it's it's a winnable game. You know this this <sighs> is not this is not uh, you know you just got to get pucks deep. You just got a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. great group of guys in the locker great room. Group of guys in the locker room. Got to forecheck well. Just got to uh, give that 110%. <laughs> no, but, you know, I, I think to me, um, you know, and we, we spoke a lot about it yesterday. Obviously, Sean Tucker uh, is going to be extremely important in this one. Can he get the single season rushing yards record? But more importantly, you know, can he really carry the, the Syracuse offense? I think he's going to be a focal point this week. And it, it really, it, it for me, it's who who's which defense can stop the run more? Can... Syracuse contain Malik Cunningham. Can Louisville contain the two-headed monster that is Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker? So I think there's going to be a lot of yards on the ground for both teams. And really, it's it's going to be down to, at the end of the game, who was able to contain the star player more. 
you got a lot of sacks for Syracuse. A lot of pressure going to be coming at at Cunningham's way. Look at the ACC rankings. Roscoe's got seven. Thompson's got six. Jonathan's got six. Second in FBS in sacks, total of 32, and they lead the ACC by seven. What's the... I guess, what's the difference? We have, overall, the better running back, right? Both have a quarterback that can run. The difference is, I mean, Malik throws the ball a little better than Garrett. We know this. But, yeah, when you have two different options that you have to stop, I think the advantage has to go to Syracuse defensively, at least up front. Listen, we've got to discuss that. We've got Syracuse football and basketball to talk about today. As you said to me right before we got on the air, Man, it's great when everything is happening at once. All sports are humming along right now and across the board. Even Major League Baseball's got some news out there. Yeah. There's a pending labor deal. They have they've uh put out the gold gloves. They've got the MVP and the rookie of the year and the Cy Young finalists all label or all listed now for both leagues. So that's kind of out there. So like all sports are in play to discuss. It's a great time of year. It is Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. On the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line today, Tommy Sladek with CNY Central about 2.15. Chris Carlson with Syracuse.com at 2.30. We'll welcome Carp, Rob Carpenter, former Cuse Jets, Pats, and Eagles wide receiver to join us at 3 o'clock. And Jason Fitz with Spain and Fitz at about 3.15. There's also sound check and a You're Killing Me small segment on the way. So there's other things happening, though. It's not just Syracuse football and basketball. So let's jump into a few of those. Let's go with this kerfuffle. There's some good stuff. I mean, there's some raw, red, bloody meat out there. (laughs) And, man, I don't know if you're interested in it, but when there's nonsensical soap operas and drama and melodrama and fighting and sports, I'm here for it. So Tony Carrenti versus the Bears' Cassius Marsh, the hip check, the taunting call, the 21 fourth quarter points for Chicago Monday Night Football last night. Pittsburgh holds on 29-27. And at first, Steve Levy, who you love, by the way. I do. I I thought it hit the crossbar, too. They showed the other angle. It wasn't even close. What a crazy way to end. Pittsburgh got lucky, Mm -hmm. and Justin Fields is figuring it out. Yeah, Justin Fields, you know, he is, he, he, he's getting it. He's getting it. You know, he, he made so many nice passes under pressure, too, on the run. Every different type of pass that you can imagine, he made it and made it perfectly. I mean, you know, we were talking off the air about the one where he put it perfectly over his receiver's shoulder where only he could get it, and that was him stepping up in the pocket. There was another one where he's on the run to the left and has to turn inside and rifles it right to the sidelines perfectly for his receiver. I mean, he made so many quality throws last night in the big spotlight. It's really impressive and doesn't uh, spell good news for uh, Andy Dalton over there in Chicago. No, and I think that Nagy didn't break him after all, I'm starting to think. Sometimes it takes a few games. You put so much pressure on these high draft picks with the quarterbacks. It's almost unrealistic sometimes, yep. the expectation that you have. But there's really only a handful of guys that had the athletic ability and the arm that they could have made a couple of the throws I saw last night. And he was calm and cool He's been there before. When you play for a program like Ohio State, you're used to being in that type of environment. Mm-hmm. And he was just, he was settled in. And, and I mean, straight up, you're right. A couple of those throws were outstanding. Just dimes. Just, yeah, straight up dimes. That's for sure. Uh, but, I mean, he did. Let's talk about this ref, though. He he, he did. He threw the hip out. Mm. Tony Crenty threw the hip out. Yeah. He did. Bush league. It, yeah, you can't have that. You know what the problem is? 
you know the name of the official. Yeah. Think about this. The yep. game's over, and you know his name was Tony Corrente because he made the game about the officials. You just kind of want to notice they're not there. Unfortunately, once again, we're arguing about arguing about crappy officiating. We shouldn't know his name right now. We shouldn't be talking about what he did. And by the way, it took what seemed like five years to figure out what a catch was. Can we figure out what taunting is? Yeah. The coaches pushed for this. Now you've got it. And some of these taunting calls are, are just, it's exuberance. It's a passionate, emotional game. Yeah. We all know this. Why are you calling some of this? That wasn't worthy of a penalty. No. It was not worthy of a penalty at all. And Corrente said after the game that, you know, he tried to play it off the contact, had no nothing to do with his call because somebody pointed out, well, there was contact between you and him, and as soon as the contact happened, that's when you reached for the flag, and that's when you threw the flag. And he said, no, it, it, that had nothing to do with it. Eh. He said he he motioned towards the, the Bears bench, or excuse me, towards the Steelers bench. I, I mean, I didn't see much. His hand was going for that back pocket, and as he was running, Marsh was running by him, he, he turns. He gives a little, yeah, he, he turns right into his path. He I mean, it it's, it's obvious. There's no way you're trying to get out of the way. If you watch the video, it's not like he could even say, no, 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 I was just trying to get out of the way, and I just couldn't get out of, way, out of the way in time. No. He, I mean, he turned right into him, st- stuck the old buttocks out, and made contact, and then he throws the flag. And, and not to mention, then you have later in the game, Justin Fields gets decked a couple seconds after releasing the ball from behind. Nothing's called. You, you realize that next year they'll do, there'll be a new pet penalty that they're going to enforce. And they'll move on from this. It's just going to be a, a pain in the you-know-what this year mm-hmm. to deal with. Yeah. Every, it's like every year they've got to pick a new rule to focus on. Well, it's like the uh, the the sticky stuff in the MLB. It's it's, it's just, you, why do they they shoot themselves in the foot? Why do you distract from the game with stuff like this? Just just move along. It was, it was nothing to see there. Yep. Uh, it was fun to watch Pittsburgh almost crumble. Mm. That was a lot of fun. And, and I wish that they did. I was hoping it was going to ruin Paulie Scabilia's night. It didn't happen. I think I tweeted that. He ignored me. That was smart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll continue the kerfuffle on Exit 31. It's ESPN Radio. Everybody's in the chat at QSportsTalk.com. Feel free to comment there. Nikola Jokic and his scary brothers versus Markeith Morris and his twin brother, Marcus. This is getting good. Listen, it was it was shady what Morris did. But Jokic, when when you retaliate, you see that in hockey, all they call the the penalty on the guy that retaliates. Well, you're gonna get it's it's gonna get called, and it did. But it's getting even better because the whole point of the kerfuffle is, I mean, sometimes this spills into social media. Who's got the Twitter beef? It's apparently the Jokic brothers now have created a Twitter account to chirp at Markeith. However, Marcus was the one that responded first, and then Markeith got involved in this. So this has has a great carryover to it. I'm I'm all for the soap opera. Oh yeah, I mean this is this is one of those great social media wars in sports because it's joining the families and of course you know Marcus Morris also high profile played in the in the NBA. So the, I mean this has everything you want. Like we're, we're, we're the you know we have a lot of celebrities starting to do you know boxing exhibitions and stuff. I feel like we need a a Jokic versus Morris just melee. Just absolutely like, like cage match or something. We need all of them to get into the ring and just have chaos ensue. There's a broadcaster, by the way, and I want to bring this bring this to your attention. I forgot to read this to you a second ago. Where we've got this Corrente Cassius Marsh kerfuffle. We've got this Nikola Jokic Markeith Morris kerfuffle happening. But sometimes 
we get told things after the fact that we see with our own two eyes and we know it's not true. That's called gaslighting, mm -hmm. right? Well, Jason Smith was had tweeted and was commenting on this his Tony Corrente situation in the football game last night. He goes, "How so? Why Tony Corrente instigated contact with Cassius Marsh?" So he could feel legitimized in throwing a flag for taunting because if he thought Marsh ran into him running off the field, he would have thrown him out of the game. But he knew Marsh didn't bump into him. It was Corrente doing it. It's not our eyes deceiving us. It's absolutely what happened. Will there be consequences for Corrente in this situation? No. You know? No. I, no, there won't. But, there, but guess what? Marsh is going to be fined for... What he said after the fact. Yeah, and what are they going to do to Jokic and Morris in this situation? Are they going to involve the crap that's starting on social media now and the fact that Jokic's brothers are scary? Jokic's brothers are scary. Are they going to be at every game he plays? I mean, imagine. Yeah, they seem to be at a lot of, especially the home games. The rematch. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think the NBA is going to have to step in, talk to both players, reach out to the families. Like, all right, guys, you know, let's not let this escalate even more. But it, it could get very interesting, especially like you said, when when the when the Heat and the Nuggets play again. It's uh, <laughs> I just I, I you know both both of them are in the wrong. Yeah, on the court, both of them are in the wrong. You know, the issue that that Marcus Morris had with it is that his brother's back was turned towards Jokic when he made the shove. I think that was more reactionary. Like he just happened to have. He just happened to be walking away when he was pissed. Sometimes sometimes that happens. Split second. Yeah, yeah, split second. The guy just starts walking away. It's not like he was sitting there waiting for him to turn his back, I don't think. I think it was just that was what happened in the moment. When he decided to shove him, it just so happened that he was, you know, the play was going the other way. He was walking away. So, I, uh, you know, I, I think both were in the wrong, but I, I think that, you know, the NBA needs to get a, a handle on this before it gets out of hand because, you know, they're... <laughs> They're basically, you know, threatening each other. You know, pull up, basically. I've got some audio for our sound check segment at about 3.30 on these subjects and a couple of more, so that's something to look forward to. We'll get to it. Listen, the kerfuffle got about a minute left in it. Who's got beef? Uh, and, and I'm kind of going to hit on this in your Killing Me Smalls in about a half an hour, but Major League Baseball has a lockout pending, right? And mm -hmm. we're just getting into free agency and award season. But Woody Herzog, if you're a member, of course, with the St. Louis Cardinals, a legendary name in the game, he said, and, and I guess it's Rob Manfred by default because he's the commissioner of Major League Baseball, but he said the state of baseball is about as bad as I've ever seen it. Rob Manfred has never worn a jock strap. Just wanted to give you a couple of those quotes that are floating out there because fans are going to have an issue with the league and with the commissioner if this gets locked out, and they're looking at around December 2nd-ish. So that's within a, a month or so, just under a month, three weeks. It could happen. That's bad. You know what would be awesome, though? What? If Rob Manfred, for his next press conference, comes out with a jockstrap over a suit. <laughs> that would be incredible. Yeah, why don't they respond to things like that? It'd be hilarious. In that I way. Think, you know, and Rob Manfred needs to show a little bit more personality, I think. Yeah, but you're, it's, you're right. It's, it is. It's a scary time for baseball. Uh, there's been a lot of rule changes in the last couple of years that are not popular. They The game has seemingly slowed down again, even though they were going to implement the, the, the pitch clock. It's slowed down again. Right. It was an issue one season, yep. and, then and then they forget about it and move on to the next thing. Because then they thing. move on to the sticky stuff. The sticky stuff. Listen, here's the last thing. Uh, Mark Larson and Mario Sacco, both who will join us tomorrow on Sportscaster Wednesday. Uh, you want to talk about a kerfuffle? They're going back and forth 
at each other again on Twitter due to Mark Larson backing out of the golf match they were Mario was trying to set up for today. So that didn't happen. You want to be entertained? Uh, check out Twitter. And, of course, we'll ask the tough questions tomorrow. Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Let's take our first break of the afternoon. We're going to welcome in Tommy Sladek with CNY Central. Cuse basketball and football, the subject material. Our game plan, simple. Sports, nothing but sports and talk. And some pop culture, maybe some current affairs, a little arguing, occasional shouting. Okay, maybe not so simple after all, but hey, it works. Sometimes. <laughs> this is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. 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 Well, it's Cuse game day. I feel like we need to say that every segment today. Can I get a win? It is Cuse basketball game day. Lafayette coming up at the Carrier Dome later today. A Patriot League opponent. Speaking of the Patriot League, you know who else opens up their basketball season today? That is Colgate University Raiders with Coach Matt Langle. So lots of basketball going on tonight in Central New York. Uh, do we have Tommy Sladek on the line just yet? Uh, he keeps dropping the phone. Dropping the phone. Okay, yeah. we'll get him on in just a little bit, but. What we're going to do right now is uh, actually b- before we get with back with Tommy and before we get more into uh, Syracuse basketball, it was it was asked in the in the QSportsTalk.com chat and we actually had it in our kerfuffle as well. We just didn't get to it is Darren Williams and, and, and Frank Gore, former NBA All-Star, former NFL running back are going to be boxing on the Paul Fury undercard in just a few weeks now. And uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on it? It's 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 weird seeing all of these former, you know, professional athletes stepping in the ring. You know, when we saw Nate Robinson do it and get absolutely smoked. But it, it, it I mean, what are your like? I just think that why, what, why, really? I mean, it's exciting, I guess. But why? If somebody's fighting one of the Paul brothers, I want them to lose. But I, I'm kind of I'm getting into these celebrity boxing matches because boxing to me. Like, MMA is more exciting to me at, yeah, th- at this point. It's more popular, and boxing has just, its it doesn't have, it lacks the luster that it used to have. Yeah. So yeah. I'm kind of all for it. No, I get it. You know, it's bringing boxing back. That's certainly good. I, I just, I feel like Frank Gore is going to demolish oh, him, Oh, Frank though. Gore is going to absolutely crush him. I, like, Frank Gore is a tank. Like, I, am, I almost wonder if you got to go with, like, a basketball guy versus a basketball guy. But then again, that's kind of what makes it interesting, too. Because think about it. Like, you have to assume Darren Williams, is he's relatively young, still he stayed in decent shape, mm-hmm. but basketball muscles are different than football muscles, and you're just talking about Frank Gore was, up, like, brute strength oh, yeah. and the longevity kept himself in great shape. Like, he could probably play. Yeah, I would think so. Absolutely. I guess I'm kind of in on it, man. I, mean, I disagree yeah. with you. I'm sorry, but I disagree. I, I'm in I mean, on I'm it. Not, I'm not necessarily out. I just think it's, like, it's not necessary. <laughs> We've got to, like... Do like a celebrity death match type of thing where we pick some celebrities to get in That's the boxing what I'm saying. We just got to have the Jokic's and the Morris's just step into the ring, tag team. I'm there for that. Right? After their playing career. Absolutely. Is that a deal? deal. We got Tommy Sladek locked in now. Uh, let's talk to him with CNY Central. Uh, let's bring it back to SU Basketball versus Lafayette tonight and where you left off. Spencer, of course, uh, first question's yours. Well, it's the first match between these two teams in, in 25 years since the 1995-96 season. Uh, so certainly a, a not a, an opponent that Syracuse is familiar with. But, Tommy, I just wanted to start out with what do you need, need to see tonight from this Syracuse team in order to, I guess, feel good to, to, start to open up the season? Spencer, I want, I want rhythm off the bat, man. I want rhythm. Mm-hmm. I want the offense moving fluid. 
and that goes beyond just the five guys. There's there's something that's always um, you know come off as a red flag to me in college basketball when you know there's a certain five on the floor that work, but you know say there's a you know real big man out there that you know like Joel Embiid that really can't put in the full game, and all of a sudden one of those guys comes off and it just falls apart. Um, so that's the biggest thing for me is I want to see the starting five go out there, get it done. And maybe you have a Simeir Torrance coming in off the bench. Maybe you have, uh, you know, Frank Anselm coming in off the bench, or maybe he's starting tonight. And really you don't see that change, especially against a team like Lafayette, uh, for them to keep that thing moving quickly, balls moving around, and, and you get multiple scores. So they lost a couple of their top scorers from last year. Justin Jaworski, he's in the uh, G League right now with Oklahoma City. Uh, he averaged 21 and a half a game. Uh, they lost EJ Stevens. He averaged 16. He transferred to Minnesota, but they've got a legit seven footer. Uh, Neil Quinn averaged 10 and a half last year. They got Kyle Jenkins. We're hearing that name a lot. The six, seven sophomore basically. Yeah. Four of five returning starters to this lineup. So listen, this is a team that, that's familiar with itself. So they'll be together with a longtime coach. That's going to understand how they want to play. Now, clearly, a Patriot League jumping up to play in Syracuse is a different story. Uh, but do you see any of those guys affecting the outcome tonight? I think they can if they make it happen in the first half. You know, uh, Syracuse has such a veteran team for having so many new guys, right? You know, it, it's guys like Jimmy Bayheim, guys like Cole Swider and Torrance that have been around college basketball for a while, but, you know, just happen to be on a new team and, you know, the scrimmaging each other and even the exhibition games against some D2 teams, it's going to feel like a step up. The pace, I think, more than anything is going to be different, um, and especially just seeing a, a team on offense that even Patriot Lee, I think, is some very high level of basketball. And so if Lafayette's able to come out there, um, you know, kind of use that, that chemistry that clearly they have when you have four returners like that, um, they could give them some issues early. So I think that's a part of the Jim Beheim defense is to make sure that they're not staying in it. Tommy Slanik with CNY Central joining us here on Exit 31 Syracuse, excuse me, ESPN, Utica Rome Syracuse, and QSportsTalk.com. Tommy, uh, you know, how excited are you just to be able to see what, I mean, what, I guess as long as the offense goes as we expect it to go, how excited are you to, to be able to start to witness, you know, this high-octane offense? Because, I mean, I think they're going to shatter, you know, the attempted threes record. Uh, so just how, how much are you looking forward to this high-powered offense? Oh, it's going to be great, man. It's going to be great in just knowing that you see a crew out there where at any given moment you have three to four that can truly shoot the three. Um, and, and so if we're able to see that early, if we're able to see even get kind of a glimpse of what we saw when Syracuse was really pushing in against Pace and Lemoyne, where it's maybe Joe lets one fly. Oh, no, he's going Buddy on this one. Oh, no, he's going Cole. He's going Jimmy. And, and there's nothing sweeter in basketball than I think when you have a whole offense moving in sync and everyone's draining their threes, um, especially with Buddy and Cole, because one of them is down to – one of them is bound to find some room and get open. But I will say this, guys. Lafayette basketball has a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. And and here's a little story for you as to why. Oh, yeah. So, bring it. Bring it. Uh, growing up, and, and there's not too many that have a Lafayette-connected story. So a little bit of a weird one. But growing up outside the Philly area, um, we was playing some AAU basketball in middle school. Um, it hadn't hit my growth spurt. I was forced to be playing the point. 
And I'll never forget, I went up against in a game against this kid, Nick Lindner, um, who ended up really helping them make it to the tournament a few years ago. They ended up getting blown out by Villanova in the first round. But when Nick Lindner was he, was, he was a four Stephen at Lafayette. And I remember being in a game. It was ninth grade. I was like 5'4". And this kid came down the court, and he crossed me over out of my socks so hard. <laughs> <laughs> that I knew right then and there that he would continue to play basketball at a high level and I would be playing intramural the next winter. And here you are now um, sports director at CNY Central. So I, I kind of like the curve in the road. You took the right one, right? The right fork in the road. Uh, we get to talk to you. Real full circle. But hey, man, looking at the Leopards, yeah, that's the that's the connection there. But I, I like Patriot League basketball. I love getting down to Col- Colgate any chance I can. It's a it's a fun spot. I'm sure Spencer has too. Oh, absolutely. Tommy Sl- Court's great. Tommy Sladek with us, CNY Central, of course, Exit 31, ESPN Radio, and QSportsTalk.com. Let's flip from the Leopards to the Cardinal and basketball to football real quick with a couple minutes remaining. So Syracuse is going to be without Carlos Veterello and Trevor Pena pretty much for the rest of the season. So adjustments are going to have to be made on the offensive line so Tucker and Schrader can get theirs. Their concern, our concern with them is Malik Cunningham. And something we had mentioned in our opening segment is, listen, you got a lot of sacks up front for Syracuse with with Cody Roscoe and Thompson and and Kingsley Jonathan, seven, six, and six, respectively, uh, leading the ACC by seven overall. If they can wreak some havoc in the backfield, uh, is there any other weapons of concern outside of Malik Cunningham for Louisville? Because you're not going to see a 30 to nothing game like you did last year. No, no, I don't. I don't foresee that at all. And and to be honest, my my whole focus and kind of really looking at the, the game plan for this has been on Malik Cunningham because to me it it just it's very much a a a uh, I find a similarity in in thinking about that that Liberty offense and and what Malik Willis was able to do and and even Dino Babers was able to um, was able to say it yesterday in his press conference where he's like. You know, Willis was good, but, you know, this Malik is – he's faster. There might not be a quarterback faster than him. Um, and so that to me is more than anything is is even if you get pressure, he has a capability just like Garrett to get to the outside. So more than anything, my focus is going to be on what Marlo Wax and Michael Jones can be doing to stop him. I think especially Marlo, you'll see him more in that outside linebacker position because – you can have Cody Roscoe and Jonathan Kingsley having a great day, but if he's able to poke to the outside of them and really get out of the pocket, it's going to be up to that outside linebacker to make a move on him. So there's no doubt in my mind that they end up break, that he ends up breaking free for one or two. It's, yeah. it's just going to happen. Um, but if they can limit it kind of like we saw against Malik Willis, where he had his plays, you had his, whoa, this guy's good. But end of the day, you are still able to pull out the win. That, that to me, is what it's going to be. And then if you, if you look at their receiving, though, a little bit similar to Syracuse's, you don't have that number one guy for the Cardinals, I believe. I don't think there was any guy from my memory that had more than three touchdowns or might have been only one that had three touchdowns. So he spreads the ball out. So, really, they just got to be completely ready for it to go to anyone. And more than anything, you got to defend Cunningham. You can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. I believe if uh, there you go, there's a sports cliche for you. You you love the sports nice. cliches. You love the sports cliches. <laughs> well, yeah, we I'm all use sports them. guy. We're all guilty of it. Tommy, thanks, man. We appreciate you always joining us. Two fifteen every Tuesday. It's Tommy Sladek with CNY Central Exit Thirty One on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Quick pause. We'll get back in the chat. 
And uh, we'll be talking to Chris Carlson at Syracuse.com next. Exit 31. What the hell you guys say politely? I want to take a, a tinkle. A tinkle? I want to take a tinkle and came back. That's, is, that's polite, right? Yeah, yeah. Tinkle is polite, yeah. I want to take a tinkle and went back. <laughs> this is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You know, a lot of times we have Chris Carlson, Syracuse.com, on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line. We come in hot, and we've had some deep, serious <laughs> conversations with him. We've tried to balance that out on occasion where we've talked some cartoons and maybe a little Halloween candy recently. Uh, pretty late today, I think. We just get to hype up some Syracuse basketball against Lafayette. We get to look ahead to Syracuse-Louisville and football this weekend at noon. So I'm kind of happy about that, and we'll start there. Chris, Damian, excuse me, Damian Elford is Bambi, according to Dino Babers, and now uh, Schrader's Grizzly Adams. We know he loves his movie quotes or (laughs) obscure old TV shows. You almost have to be of a certain age to get the Grizzly Adams reference, but I mean, I think Garrett's beard's uh, trimmed a little tighter, but you could see it there, couldn't you? I I love these nicknames. Yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, I imagine, you know, we get to talk to players uh, tomorrow. Uh, this week, and um, you know, I've always been a little curious about Garrett's uh, facial hair. So I, I imagine that I imagine the story of the beard, and uh, you know how he picked the Grizzly Adams look. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll find out a little bit more tomorrow, I suspect. We had Garrett on last Wednesday, and we're going to be talking to Garrett. Oh, maybe you guys know. Do well, you know that? Have you talked about facial hair? Well, yeah, yes. Here's where I'm going with this. So we're going to talk oh. to him again tomorrow, uh, and then the two Wednesdays after that. So. The first thing I asked him is I wanted to know, in, in the name of name, image, likeness, there's got to be beard care products, beard wax, something along those lines that he's into. If you're going to grow out just a glorious beard like that, you, you've got to take care of it. And he doesn't have any deals in the works yet, and we figured we had to work something out something out for him. So, so that's where we went with it. I mean, do you follow up with a question, and, and do you ask him in, in the past week if he's worked out anything? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll come up. Um, you know, I certainly thought like, you know, Hey, w- w- with facial hair coming back in style and, and hipster beards and all that, uh, you know, now's the time, now's the time to, to make some cash on, on something like that. Uh, but NIL is certainly an interesting subject, right? We've, we've got, we've got Sean Tucker's t-shirts for sale, sort of, sort of the first real, um, indication of that out there um you know and, and he's really turning into a national star so so he's you know he that's probably the most high profile thing that we've seen this year um talked to his dad last week and he said they've got more stuff kind of in the works that they're they're hoping will sort of come out over the off season and into next year so let's let's throw something legitimate out there instead of this nonsense. Well, I, I was gonna I was gonna say that you know the, Hollywood is all about remakes now. Why can't they just remake Grizzly Adams and have Garrett Schrader star? You can have a, a little career change, post playing career. Yeah, uh, Carlos. Yeah, you gotta let him get it, let him get through the next two years here first. Well, guys, fair. Yeah, uh, before fair. before you start pitching the movie studios. Yeah, I'm good with him being our quarterback for a couple more seasons. Carlos Vettorello, Trevor Pena, the injury issues out for the season, other injury concerns. Um, what do they do to make adjustments on the offensive line? Yeah, and then the one that nobody's – or the one that, that Dino wouldn't go all the way with, but, but we've certainly seen some indications probably that Chris Elmore um, won't be available too. Uh, you know, his, his arm is in a, 
has been in a sling, which is, you know, generally a bad sign. Um, you know, to, to me, the, the offensive line has done a really nice job this year sort of surviving um, without one or two guys. They, they go six, uh, seven deep without, like, a huge drop-off. Um, you know, so you, so you lose Veterello. Um, but you got Bleich back last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can kick service out to guard. Um, you know, I think they're okay on the offensive line. Elmore is kind of the guy I, I worry about a little bit more. Um, he's just so useful, and you can line him up anywhere. You can, you can put him out, split him out wide, um, and have him kind of – come back in and block. You can line him up in the backfield and, and run power behind him. Um, you know, he he's the guy that I worry, you know, if there will be a drop-off. And maybe there was against Boston College. You know, I'm not sure. Sean Tucker broke some big runs, and his lumbers looked very good. Um, but the offense didn't score as many points, and they weren't quite as consistent. Um, so I think Elmore is kind of the guy that I look at, and I and I kind of think – let, let's see how that goes against Louisville. Chris, uh, we're t- we've talked about you know Malik Cunningham and what Syracuse has to potentially do to stop him, but I wanted to ask you, in terms of you know which team do you, would you give the edge to in terms of offensive advantage? Is it Cunningham you know, with his legs, but also his ability to pass because he's a little bit more uh, pass-ready than Garrett Schrader is, or is it having two different running options like uh, Sean Tucker and a Garrett Schrader, which do you think would be more difficult to defend against? Boy, I, you know, this is to me, I mean, it's, it's as even as a game. Like, I feel like I don't know who to pick. Um, and, I, you know, I, even I don't know who to lean towards picking. Um, I think Louisville's offense is a little bit tougher to stop, uh, you know, because you do have the passing threat. And I think anytime you have a, a running and a passing threat, you're a more difficult offense to stop. Um, but I also think Syracuse's defense is better, you know? Uh, so, like, how that plays out over the course of a game, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I- I'm really looking forward to Saturday. I-, I think it's a fascinating game. You know, two mobile quarterbacks, two teams that have lost a bunch of heartbreakers and, and easily could have a much better record than they do. Um, a key game for both, trying to get the bowl eligibility. Uh, I think it's a really fun one. Yeah, the storylines are definitely all there. It's Chris Carlson with Syracuse.com here with us on Exit 31. It's ESPN Radio. We're at QSportsTalk.com. I'm looking directly in the chat, and I was asked to ask you, Chris, uh, do you know anything of an update on Darius Tisdale? Ooh, that is a good question, and unfortunately I don't. He was not one of the names that, that Dino mentioned yesterday. So, so uh, I wish I could help you out, but I can't. No, that's okay. We asked the question and you got to ask a question and be ready to accept the answer no matter <laughs> what it is. So let's talk basketball. Let's flip over to the, to Jim Bayheim court. You got Lafayette tonight. They haven't seen each other in about 25 years. It's crazy to think, right? Uh, Fran O'Hanlon's their head coach. They got four starters back. They got a legitimate seven footer. They lost two of their top scorers. And listen, it's a Patriot league. So we really just want to see certain things from Syracuse. We want to see him shoot the three well. We want to see him rebound well. And other than that, what are your other expectations that you want to see upon the conclusion of this game tonight? Um, 
Yeah, you, you know, the rebounding is the thing that I, I think I'm most fascinated by. Um, and, you know, defense in general, um, you know, because we know that this team is not the fastest. They are not the fleetest. Um, they're not going to be the quickest in the rotation and can the length uh, of this Syracuse team and, and the cohesiveness of it make up for that. Um, we're not going to find out tonight, probably. Um, but I do think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they're able to get out on shooters, you know, during this early stretch of games. Um, you know, the non-conference opponents usually put – You know, they usually don't have quality bigs that can compete with Syracuse, so they usually try to put a lot of shooters on the floor against the zone, which can make it difficult for the bigger guys to cover all that space. Um, So how they're able to do that, uh, you know, whether the shots are contested or not, um, you know, that's something else that I think, you know, teams – some of these non-conference opponents are going to miss their shots, but it's more interesting almost how Syracuse defends them um, than, than, you know, whether they're in or out. Yeah. There's been a little bit of a lack of closing out on shooters and some significant space. uh, If you've watched the two exhibition games, that's for sure. I think we're up against a break. Am I getting the signal from the clock manager? You are. Glue guy says, take a break. I always love talking to you, Chris Carlson. Thank you so much. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll catch up with you very soon. It's Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You're killing me, Smalls, is next. Uh, This is where we'll take care of the rest of that crap happening with baseball. You're killing me, Smalls. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You're killing me, Smalls. Spencer, who wins the American League MVP? Don't think about this. Just give me your gut reaction. Vlad Guerrero, Shohei Otani, or Marcus Simeon? I think it's going to be Shohei Otani. Okay. National League, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis. Ooh. Uh, Juan Soto. American League, Cy Young, Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn, Robbie Ray. Garrett Cole. I'll take it. National League, Corbin Burns, Max Scherzer, Zach Wheeler. Uh, What was the first one again? Uh, hold on, let me go back. Corbin sure. Burns, Max Scherzer, Zach Wheeler. Max Scherzer. American League Rookie of the Year. A Rosarania, Wander Franco, Luis Garcia with the Astros. Uh, Wander Franco. National League, Dylan Cars- Carlson, Jonathan India, Trevor Rogers. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Who's the first one on that one again? Dylan Carlson, Dylan outfielder Carlson. with the Cardinals. Okay. Jonathan India, second baseman with the Reds. Mm-hmm. I know we pay attention more to the yeah, American League pay, than the National yeah. League. I get it. Trevor Rogers, left-handed pitcher with the Marlins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him. You like him? Yep. Manager of the year, Dusty Baker, Kevin Cash, Scott Service in the American League. Ooh. Ah. I'm going to say Kevin Cash because it's a regular season award. Yeah, absolutely right. With a, over 100 wins yep. for sure. Nationally, Craig Council, Gabe Kapler, or Mike Schilt with the Cardinals, who is no longer their manager. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with Kapler. I just wanted to throw a few of those out there because... They're going to give out those awards. The finalists are listed, and then we're probably going to have a lockout in Major League Baseball. And that's also when we're really getting into free agency, and all these names are out there. And even just as a Yankees fan, or maybe a Red Sox fan, or a Mets fan locally, it just gets stopped. That's it. Yep. If they lock out, yep. they got to get this right. Uh, Whitey Herzog, uh, we mentioned it a few minutes ago. He is a former St. Louis manager, by the way, Kansas City as well. Uh, huge name, Hall of Famer. 
He's just basically, by default, blaming Rob Manfred and the way Major League Baseball handles everything. He's just not happy with the state of the game. And here we go. We're going to get in this situation again. It's starting to feel like, remember 2004 with the NHL and that lockout? and you The missed worst the year ever. I don't want anything like that to happen with Major League Baseball. Salary cap's going to be part of this. There's so many different issues they have to work out. Are they going to get this right? I don't think they are. You're killing me, Smalls. And I always, it's not, I'm not saying anything personally about Rob Manfred. I understand he has family and he's from in central New York and he's from Rome and I'm not trying to do that. But hey, the buck stops with him. And I don't have any faith at all that they'll handle this the right way. And you know what? I would not be surprised if there's a lockout, a work stoppage of some kind. It would be, it would be terrible, especially for the game, which had a shortened 60 game season you know, a couple of years or last year at this point, but it'll be a couple of years by the time the next season rolls around. Uh, you know, they finally got back to having a full season this year, with, you know, amid COVID and everything going on to have any type of work stoppage, any type of shortened season, no season at all. I, I don't know how the MLB recovers from that. I mean, nationally, I don't know if there was any investment in the World Series other than, hey, we want the Astros to lose. Yeah. Braves fans were happy because it was a Cinderella story. Hey, and then you're going to get more positive news with the awards being given out, and we'll all argue about whether that guy should have actually won it or it should have been that guy. How was that guy not considered? You know how we debate all that stuff. And then it's just going to go, it's going to go get flushed right down the toilet. And, and they're going to screw this all up. And then it's just going to be more animosity towards the league and the game with so many other issues that they have a work stoppage on top of it. It, it just, it, I, it would I just be a disaster. Fear, it would be a nightmare. It's going to go bad to worse, to terrible, to awful, to just horrendous. It is. Do you see them? Do you see this n- not ending that way? You know, I'm really hoping that there won't be a loss of a full season like there was with the NHL in 04. Uh, was it 03, 04, or 04, 05? I think it was 04, 05. I think it was 05, 04, 05. I think you're right. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I, I think we're heading towards a situation where we might have, you know, the season start a little late while they figure this out. I hope not. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, this, I'm a little surprised by the results, and they figure this out, and they're able to get you know get the season off without a hitch. You gotta, you tough. gotta give me pitchers and catchers reporting in the middle of February. Mm-hmm. You have to. Mm-hmm. It, 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 not literally, but it, it figuratively, it thaws the ice on winter for yeah. for us here in the Northeast and Central New York. Yeah. You know, you see some sunshine on your television. When you're watching some spring training games and you might have a blizzard outside of your window, you, you <laughs> need that. It keeps hope alive. Right. Needless to say, you know what they get. Smalls. Hold on. You're killing me, Smalls. Now they get it. We'll take a quick break. We're going to come back on to 31 ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Seems like our regular guest on Tuesdays, former Syracuse Jets, Pats, and Eagles wide receiver Rob Carpenter will join us next. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Let's start a fishing conversation in the QSportsTalk.com chat. We got carp on the line with us, Rob Carpenter. It happened last week. It did. It happened last week because of the fact that somebody referenced the fact that we called him carp. And then it it evolved into a uh, an entire conversation on angling. I said, look at his Twitter. Yeah. There it is. It's carp. <laughs> but we are here with... With Carp, former Cuse, Jets, Pats, and Eagles wide receiver. Thanks for joining us again, Carp. Uh, we coming off a bye week, Syracuse football. Uh, you know, we talked with you last week about having a bye week this late in the season. 
So when you come back off a of bye week, do you find that it would be difficult to kind of get back into the rhythm, or do you come back feeling refreshed, and so you kind of pick things up a little bit more quickly? You actually come back feeling a, a, a lot more refreshed. You know, um, you know, everybody knows the season is, is, is a long grind. So, um, like I said, I actually would prefer guys having a, a, a later uh, bye week than an earlier bye week. So mm-hmm. you actually do get that. That, that break and, and can come back um you know a lot more refreshed uh, than than an earlier break because you, you get early early by week then you you right, feels like you're right back into the grind of the, of the remainder of the season but you get a break now um, just to finish out the season and you know you feel a lot more refreshed and, and mentally and physically you're very familiar with Syracuse football on the flip side of that Louisville on Saturday at noon with a, a legitimate dual threat quarterback in Malik right. Cunningham um, and as you put these two teams up against each other in your mind, Rob, and you analyze it, uh, what are you foreseeing on Saturday that we need to know about? Um, well, hopefully the, the the front seven can actually just can contain them. You know, um, it's almost like uh, the, the the game they played early in the, in the season with uh, against Liberty uh, with that quarterback they had. Um, but um, you know, for the, for the most part, you, you just want the front seven to actually contain a guy. You know, you're not really going to stop everything that he does. Um, but you just want to uh, and actually limit the, the big plays with them getting out of the pocket. Uh, and if the front seven can actually do that, um, you know, Syracuse has a great chance to win as long as the, the offense continues to, to play the way they played the last few weeks. All right, let's stay with the alma mater real quick. Louisville, or excuse me, Lafayette and Syracuse, a little basketball tonight, obviously first game of the season. It's a Patriot League opponent up against the Cuse, yep. uh, but just good to see him get back out there on the court. What are you looking for out of this team tonight? Um. Little consistency, uh, you know. I, I know it's early in the season. Um, you know, the guys actually, some of the guys actually on the court, you know, haven't haven't played together so much. You know, you got the Bayham brothers out there. Um, that's actually going to be, you know, a fun thing to watch for the for the remainder of the season. But um, you know, um, you just want to see these guys actually progress. You know, with, with consistent play for the for the beginning of the season as they, as they go into to conference play, um, you know, cause that's going to be a big thing to, to, to lead into the, to the end of the season. And that's pretty much what you hope uh, the team can do uh, leading into to conference play and then, then the tournament later in the season. We're speaking with Rob Carpenter, former Q's Jets pass and Eagles wide receiver here on exit 31 ESPN radio, QSportsTalk.com. So the Manning curse gets another victim, the Manning cast curse, I should say. And Josh Allen shows up there last Monday and loses on Sunday. Uh, I mean, I feel like at this point now with with the Buffalo Bills losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, you got to put some legitimacy to that curse. It's almost like the Madden curse now. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, uh, I, I for one, thought, okay, this is not really going to happen to Josh Allen this week. Um, Yeah, playing the Jags. It's a, it's a fairly easier opponent that they will have for the for the remainder of the season, and lo and behold, you know it goes out and you know plays a stinker of a game, and then you, of course, everybody turns around and looks back at, okay, yeah, it is the Manning brothers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it is one of those things that you know c- conspiracy theorists will, will look around and be like, this is true, this got to be just like the Madden curse, but you know it, it was. Uh, you know, for for everyone who's a who's a Buffalo fan, I hope they they, they feel like it, it was a, an anomaly, um, something that's you know not really going to happen again. But um, you know that was a that was an amazing thing to watch out there the, the way they played, man. At, meaning that they didn't play so well. You know, you just figured that they were going to kind of roll Jacksonville, and for them to not score a touchdown was almost you know unfathomable. Was it an anomaly, or I, I'm posing this question in our QSportsTalk.com chat? 
were the Bills overrated? In other words, are they maybe not quite as good as we had thought earlier in the season? Or is it just a weird week? I think it was just a weird week. Um, you know, you you probably would have thought that, you know, after the first game with them losing to Pittsburgh, that, wait a minute, maybe the team isn't as good as they are. But then you see the role they went on uh, after that. And then to come to this game, you know, the, the, the season is a long season. And there, there's going to be hiccups. Every team's going to have a hiccup here and there. Um, but And I just think that, you know, the Jacksonville game this, this this past week was just just that, just one of those hiccups that, that um, they will have, and they'll move on from this and then play a lot better. Talking to Rob Carpenter with uh, Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Uh, let me ask you a question about my Giants. They beat Vegas, and I've seen same thing you saw last year. As we get deeper into the season, Patrick Graham has the Giants' defense playing better, and then – you also have Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, a kind of getting better as well and game managing a little bit. When you throw the injuries on top, I was kind of surprised they beat the Raiders. But what were your observations with that game? They played actually like I thought the Giants would play <laughs> to start the season. Yeah, um, That's actually how I thought the Giants would play to start the season. You know, um, I actually thought that they had a really good defense um, that they would probably rely on for, for most of the season. Um, and then, you know, the offense would actually, you know, do some things in, in, in certain games where uh, they would put up some numbers and, and be able to win, you know, uh, at least half the games or not half anymore, uh, but, you know, around eight or nine games. Uh, but, um, you know, that's that's just one of those games where they put the package together pretty much for the whole game, um, being led by the defense and, you know, just, just – it was one of those games I thought, all right, yeah, this is the Giants team that I thought you would pretty much see for the for the whole season. But, you know, they put it together for that one week. You just got to see if they can actually go out and, and do it for a few more weeks. And, and like you said, the injuries that they've had, you know, have had to overcome is just kind of kind of crazy. But, you know, um, that's the nature of this game. Well, speaking of injuries, uh, it, the Jets just can't have nice things. We didn't even get a full <laughs> week to celebrate the Mike White game. We were on a short week. And then, of course, he gets hurt after the, you know, the, the first touchdown drive of the game where he was looking good again, and Josh Johnson has to come in, and the Jets get pummeled. Now, now that being said, it was really the defense that didn't show up because the Jets' offense actually did not look too bad with Josh Johnson under center. So, I mean, right. just how Jets is what happened on Thursday. To have you know the one bright spot at this moment then go down with an injury, and we didn't even get to enjoy a full week out of it. That's... Just <laughs> how the Jets actually are. Man. <laughs> it seems like there's just like just 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 this one little curse that's out there. Um, yep. And I, I I think we've seen it all, uh, seen it all before. But it, the the funny thing is, um, like you said, Josh Johnson actually coming to the game. It seems like he just picked up right where Mike White left off. Yeah. Um, and it actually goes back to 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 the previous week um, with them beating uh, Cincinnati. You know, when when Mike White had to go out of the game uh, for that series, and, and Josh Johnson came in. He led the team right down the field and actually should have had a touchdown. He hit Denzel Mills right in the chest, but he dropped it. Yep. But, um, you know, he kept the game uh, and kept the offense uh, flowing right along. But like you said, uh, you know, Thursday night, it was basically all on the defense, man. I think the defense gave up almost 500 yards total, yep. um, which is kind of unheard of for for this team or any team in the league to actually do. You know, um, I don't know if it was the fact that the defense was was kind of kind of gassed or or what, but you know that that front seven just got got mauled. Um, you know, I was kind of kind of watching some of the highlights uh, uh, again on uh, yesterday, and you know the the uh, Colts offensive line was basically just manhandling the, the the front seven of the Jets, man. So 
Um, maybe that's another one of the games that was a, that was an anomaly, um, basically because they were coming off a short week or had to go into a short week with with no practice and basically you know limited rest. Um, but hopefully, you don't see the, see much more of that uh, for the rest of the season. Talking to Rob Carpenter, former Q's Jets, Pats, and Eagles wide receiver kind of being a regular thing with us on Tuesdays here on Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Last night, Justin Fields comes roaring back in the second half with 21 points, starting to figure it out a little bit. A couple of those plays that he made, the athleticism, the the difficulty of the throws, he has really made some progress. You're starting to see that now. The question is, is it fair to say that Nagy hasn't ruined him like we've all speculated? <laughs> Um, I think his actual his athleticism is actually, you know, making Matt Nagy's choices uh, uh, null and void right now. Um, the fact that he's he's played for a few weeks, he slowed the game down. Um, he's letting his natural ability take over. Um, you see some of the throws that he made, like you referenced. You see some of the plays that he makes with his feet. Yeah. Um, and 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 everybody knew that he was actually a, a really good athlete and was just would just have to figure it out in the passing game. But, you know, as the weeks have gone by, uh, again, the game is slowing down for him. He's, he's seeing what's out there. He's getting to see a lot of different defenses. So, um, you know, incorporating the, the the rest of the offense that they have. And it just seems like they're they're doing a little more now for him to use his uh, athletic ability. And, you know, it, it, it's working out for him. You're getting to see the guy that a lot of people, including myself, thought, you know, he would, he would be as an NFL quarterback. And, and it seems like, you know, every week he's just getting better and better and better. Um, it hasn't always translated into to wins for them, but, they but you know, he does have a couple of wins under his belt. So that also makes it makes the game slow down for you uh, as well. Rob, one of the big storylines, of course, in the NFL right now is, is Aaron Rodgers and the whole, you know, immunized versus vaccinated type of deal. I mean, I just wanted to get your take. Did, I mean, did Aaron Rodgers straight up lie? Did he showed up lie when he was asked if he was vaccinated? And is he wrong or right in the situation? I just want to kind of get your take. Um, me personally, yeah, I think he did, man. You know, I, he knew what he was saying when he actually made that comment about being immunized mm-hmm. as as opposed to, to being vaccinated. And he knew where the question was coming from. Um, you know, for for him to, to, to put it that way, just trying to basically pull the wool over everybody's eyes, man. So, um, you know, it kind of came back on him, and, and now he's had to answer those questions, which basically he was trying to avoid from the very beginning. And if you would have just answered it from the very beginning, kind of like Wentz and, and Kirk Cousins did, you know, this wouldn't be happening to him right now. Um, you know, he would have just been a guy that was out on, you know, COVID protocol uh, for a few days, and he'll be back and then playing again. But, um, you know, f- for the most part, you know, the backlash that he that he got and has has gotten over the, the, the past week is warranted, you know, um, because – he should have just basically answered the question right from the beginning. And he did not. Yeah, vaccination status matters because there's consequences when your employer says you got to be vaccinated. And if you are, you do this. And if you're not, you do that. Right. It's really came down to that simple thing. We're talking to Rob Carpenter here on Exit 31 ESPN Radio. Got one more question for you. The Knicks. <laughs> I, I got I to give you a chance to expound on the, on the Knicks a little bit. Obviously, uh, yesterday, 103-96 over the 76ers yet again. Man, in the East to me, Rob, it, it's it's not playing out like I expected. And there's a few surprises. Like Cleveland, for example, is a surprise right, to yeah. me. Uh, but take a look at the Knicks for me. I mean, they're actually right where I thought they would be at this moment. I mean, they played 11 games. They've won seven. Uh, I, I know they're going to be, you know, well over 500 team. Um, and... The East, like you just said, there's a few teams in there like Cleveland, uh, as you said, 
that are playing kind of like lights out right at the moment. Um, but the East is going to be really, really, really tough. Um, and every team is going to lose games that you wouldn't expect them to lose. Um, and it's pretty much going to come down. I, I think actually at the end of the season, it's going to be like 10 teams vying for those, those 10 legit teams vying for those all of those spots. Um, because I don't think anybody's going to run away with the East. Um, like, you know, the predictions were were made early in the season, um, you know, that Milwaukee would be right back up there and Philadelphia would be right back up there at the top and just running away with it. I really don't think that's going to happen this year. Um, and the Knicks will be right in the in the middle of that that, that clump of, of teams, you know, fighting for the fighting for those uh, top spots. But the way they're playing right now, um, they, they, they're pretty much doing what I, what I thought they would do because the, the uh, additions that they made with, with Kemba Walker and, and – you know, Evan Fournier, those guys are actually playing like I thought they would play. Um, Derrick Rose is playing phenomenal. Um, yeah. R.J. Barrett has stepped up, you know, uh, a lot. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, they got the, 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 the big man curse right now. It just seems like all the big men are, are, are constantly being injured. Um, so a lot of guys are actually having to play out of a position a little bit, but, you know, you know they're adapting. And, and that's the one thing I like about this team because they're, they're, they're kind of deep. Um, you know, they, that Tibbs can actually go down the, the bench a little bit um, if he wants to. Unfortunately, he isn't going as deep as I think he should um, because I think the young guys should be playing a, a little more. A little more Sims, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sims should be playing. Um, you know, uh, the the two other rookies should be playing yeah. because uh, I think those guys can help, especially late in uh, late in games with the, the the way those guys actually play defense. Um, and we know that the, the Knicks have had their struggles at the end of halves uh, and in and, and the fourth quarter. Uh, and sometimes now here in the third quarter, they, they have that lapse to come up uh, after halftime and let teams get back in games. But, you know, as far as scoring goes, I, I like the way they, they're actually, uh, you know, passing the ball around. They're moving the ball around. Everybody's getting into the games, balanced scoring for the most part for, for all the games that they've had. Um, you know, yesterday against the, the Sixers was a little different. Um, you know, Randall had to basically take over um, and, and be the top dog uh, for the team down the stretch. But you know, I kind of like what they're, what they're doing, man. And hopefully, you know, the, the injuries are limited for the remainder of the season. And, and I think it's just going to be a dog fight at the end of the season, man, with everybody in the East, because it's going to be a battle. Yeah, it sure is a lot of fun to watch. At least they're relevant and in the conversation. There was just too many years that they weren't. Mm-hmm. Listen, Rob, thanks, man. We, pre- we appreciate you. As always, we'll hit you up again real soon. We'll do it before you know it. Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. We're coming back with Jason Fitz, one half of Spain and Fitz. He joins us next. Are you ready? This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Love Tuesdays about 3.15. All right, I lied. It's usually closer to 3.20 after the commercial break. Uh, We had a good chat going at QSportsTalk.com. Uh, all about the Knicks. Uh, there's a ranking of NFL modern-day current this season NFL head coaches. I don't know if we want to go there with Jason Fitz, one half of Spain and Fitz, but boy, do I love talking to him on Tuesdays. And we're starting out with the unbiased, non-homer Cuse take. Jason, they had a bye, and now you're looking at Louisville, a team that demolished them 30 to nothing last year in that one-win season. Expectations are far different this year. Take a look at that matchup for us. Yeah, you know, and and Louisville has managed to have a better season, I think, than most people would acknowledge. Like, Louisville is very similar to Cuse in that situation. But, you know, because of my love of you guys, I actually, uh, on Saturday, I was hanging out with some of the guys at the ACC Network, and I barged into the room uninvited as they were sitting on set, and I said, I need some deep down, like, dive me into Syracuse. Are they good? (laughs) Like, are we not giving them enough credit? And the consensus across the board was really solid defense, really interesting way to run the football 
and still a year ahead of schedule. And I think all of that feels fair to where they are right now. I mean, Louisville presents a a matchup that I think is difficult for Syracuse, but also a winnable game. And the way they're running the football right now should get a little bit more Heisman talk in a year where we don't have a clear-cut Heisman. I know that Walker is going to get all the votes at the running back position, but still, like you're talking about incredible production there. So I I think that the advantage in this matchup is that Syracuse should be able to run the ball and should be able to hold uh, time of possession. Harry Douglas, though, uh, noted Louisville – alum has told me I've lost my mind and that Louisville is going to win by 10. So, you know, we're getting both sides of it. I think it's a winnable game for Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought up the Heisman. We've been throwing out Doak Walker and Maxwell Award for Sean Tucker. He's just been that good this year. Uh, Kenneth Walker surpassed him in the, in the nationwide lead for rushing yards simply because of the Q's bye week. But something you said to me just popped out, and I wanted to follow up with this, Jason. So as far as Garrett Schrader is concerned, when you were picking the brains of the guys in the ACC network, do they see, because Garrett's going to be the quarterback at Syracuse for two more seasons after transferring, that there is some growth potential available in the passing game? Will that get better for him? Yeah, a thousand percent. And that's something that uh, Coach Rick actually talks a lot about. And you've got to actually look at that sort of in stages, I think that's the part of everybody knew that was going to be the weakness coming in, right? Like, mm-hmm. would they be able to pass? Would they have any passing game? And uh, it's it's a development, but let's also be real. Last couple of games hasn't looked particularly easy. There's been little flashes, but it hasn't looked particularly easy. So I think it's going to have to get drastically better, but it can get enough better that maybe, you know, we've been too quick to judge sort of where everything is for Dino and where this program is right now when – in fact, again, if they're a year ahead of schedule and believe, we believe the passing game can get better, now all of a sudden you're talking about a team that suddenly becomes at least more in the national conscious part of the discussion next year. I think that's a reasonable expectation. Jason Fitz of Spain and Fitz here on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Uh, Jason, the Titans, the Tennessee Titans are beating everybody. The New York Jets beat the Tennessee Titans. So, I mean, by that logic, I mean, the, the New York Jets are the best team in the AFC, no? That's a, you know, that is a heck of a way to put it. I'll tell you this. I have been pitching unsuccessfully for three years now, a show for ESPN. And that show would be unsuccessfully pitched again. But take 13 of the top NFL minds and sit down and make them come up with the four committee teams that would represent the NFL in a 14 playoff. And the funniest part about the Titans in that conversation, if we applied the same exact college football logic to the NFL, the Titans would not be allowed to be at the top of anybody's list because they have the most inexcusable loss of the highest contenders in a Mm. game where they flat out got outplayed. So how do we make sense of that? How do we make sense of the fact that the Jets have wins over the Bengals? Like the Jets are Purdue. They have wins over the Bengals. They have wins over the uh, the Titans. It makes no sense to anybody, (laughs) but I can't take anything away from them. So uh, they are certainly, uh, they are certainly still at the bottom, uh, but the, the the Titans are going to have to explain that for a long stink of time. And by the way, guys, Really impressed by the way the Titans came in and just dismantled the Rams because I thought they were done after Derrick Henry's injury. Yeah, it really was impressive. Uh, AP coming in and helping out the cause, too. Did not expect to see that, but I'm glad it did. It makes football fun. I'd like to apologize in advance of my next question for my New York football Giants beating oh, your Raiders. Oh, I knew Raiders. it was coming. Yeah. I knew it was coming. Yeah, I, I, it had to. But the Raiders, listen, it, it's not even on the field because you heard Derek Carr talking about how you have to compartmentalize with everything going on, and that was after the Gruden situation, after the Henry Rugg situation, and then now you throw Damon Arnett into this, and it just, I mean, you put it out. You put the flaming dumpster fire out, and, and somebody set it back again. What's going on with your Raiders? 
Yeah, I don't know what calms it down, but I will say what really hit me in that Giants game, I'll go back to a music analogy. So the drummer for the band Perry, when I toured, we'd been friends for a long time before we ever played together in a band. And the funny thing is for whenever we would have a break, like for my hands as a musician, if we were going to take two weeks off, then I needed to just put the violin away for two weeks and I was going to be fine, right? That that was what was right for me for my rhythm for, for Boone, for the drummer, he had to play every day in some way. Otherwise, when he came back, you can immediately tell all of his rhythm was gone, even in a week and a half, even though we were playing 200 shows a year. I say that because the one thing that we, we should have seen coming going into the giants game is that the Raiders took the entire bye week off. There were no practices. And then they came back and in the process of coming back, they had to deal with what they had to deal with. And that also impacted practices. Derek Carr is a rhythm guy. He's got to be on the field throwing people to keep the sync that he has. He loses momentum when he's not. Every time he's missed practice during the week, he's played like what we saw. So I think what we saw on Sunday was a a, a rhythmless Raiders coming in, trying to figure it out. And, and really, Derek Carr is going to regret that game for the rest of the year. He just wasn't good enough. But what happens moving forward, they've got to compartmentalize it because they're too talented a team to miss the playoffs this year. If they miss the playoffs and collapse for a third straight season, I think wholesale change comes and the entire organization goes into rebuild all the way down to possibly their car. So if that's the case, then like, I think if for, for NFL fans, you're looking at it saying, man, keep an eye on the Raiders because if they don't put it together, then Derek Carr, I think, is going to be a tradable uh, portion of their, their offseason. As much as I hate that, I think that's where the organization goes and they go into complete rebuild. Talking to Jason Fitz here on Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Did the Giants take advantage of a team that, no matter how much you try to stay focused on the football field and not the off-field distractions, were just a little bit vulnerable? And it's a two-parter. Follow that up with... Is the Giants defense doing the same thing it did last year? I asked this to somebody earlier, where Patrick Graham just slowly throughout the course of the season has them playing better and better and better. Yeah, you're 1,000% right. I got a text midway through the game from Mina Kimes, and she said, I know you don't want to hear this right now, but the Giants defense is better than you thought it was coming into the day. And I was like, yeah, you're right about both things. One, you're right about the take, and you're also right I didn't want to hear it right then. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you look at the way this defense is playing. It's playing – and this is the, the number one thing I tell everybody. It doesn't matter if you've never watched a second of film. If you watch, for example, the Kansas City Chiefs right now, and you watch their all-22 that they put up on, uh, on Game Pass, if you watch the game afterwards, you see the number of times defenders are looking at each other and they're throwing their hands up in the air. There's so much communication that goes to the defensive side of the ball. When you have roster turnover, I think you should always expect an extra second defensively to, to figure out those communication issues. I think, frankly, as much as this season has not been what Giants fans, yourself included, want, you've gotten some answers that there are solid pieces on the defensive side of the ball, and I still think Daniel Jones is the guy moving forward. Like I think you can look at all of this and say, hey, we know what we have. Now we just need to go and address the rest of it around there. So. The fact that the Giants are still playing hard, did they take advantage of a distracted Raiders team? I think so. But did they also win a game they need to win and show that they're more talented than they get credit for being? Yes. Jason Fitz of Spain and Fitz joining us here on ESPN Radio at QSportsTalk.com. We have one more for you, Jason, and uh, it's kind of a two-parter, but uh, obviously the, the news with Odell Beckham Jr. being released from the Browns, going through waivers. Do you think he clears waivers? Does a team pick him up? Does a whole another melodramatic uh, episode start again? And also, are the Browns better without OBJ in the fold? So I don't think uh, – I'll, I'll address both of those. Yeah, somebody's going to pick up Odell Beckham Jr. There's no doubt about it. The question is just the money and the fit and the opportunity. Somewhere where 
he feels wanted, that's obviously what matters to him. And I think it's been smartly pointed out by a couple of guys in Cleveland that he responds to to workload in bulk. So, you know, it wasn't going to be a great system for him in Cleveland because, frankly, you know, at the end of the day, Cleveland, much like the Raiders, much like uh, the Cowboys try to do, they they spread their touches around, right? So the Rams, uh, there are certain teams that just – they're going to spread their touches around. And that doesn't work for Odell Beckham Jr. in the way he plays the game. I can say all of that. And at the end of the day, I can also say that I'm not willing to say that anytime you lost a, a, a key talented player, that that makes you better. Did, did Baker Mayfield play really well? Yes. But if a wide receiver, but if liking a wide receiver as a friend is reason enough to make you play at a lower level, then we should have real conversations about the mentality of Baker Mayfield. Like I just, I have a hard time believing that you make yourself better by, by putting less talented people on the field. At the end of the day, it's the coach and the quarterback's job to make the most of the talent they have. So if that's the case, man, I, I think we have some real questions to ask. More likely than that, a, a Cincinnati Bengals team that is starting to show that maybe they're not as good as we've been hyping them for just got exposed by a Browns team that is uh, not getting enough love for the way they run the ball, the way they play defense, the totality of the actual team. Would you take OBJ on the Raiders, yes or no? No. I think that ultimately if it, it's no different with the Raiders. Derek Carr's going to go 8, 9, 10 wide receiver. He's going to throw the ball to his grandma if it helps him. So that's not going to work for Odell Beckham Jr. And that there's just too many mouths to feed. Plus, in a year of distraction, the last thing you need is another question to answer for any player in that locker room. Yeah, fair enough. We appreciate you, as always. Jason Fitz of Spain and Fitz. Thanks, man. Have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you next week. It's Exit 31 on ESPN Radio. We're at QSportsTalk.com. Our sound check is next. This is Exit 31 with Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Listen to this. Mic check. Okay? Good. Here's your sports sound check. Here's Jets coach Robert Sala with a response in about 30 seconds from Jets fan Spencer Davidson. What is this about, Spencer? Hmm, you don't know. The fact that he's the greatest coach in the history of the NFL? Oh. Is that it? Just listen to it. <laughs> Let's say that Mike White starts on Sunday. Does he have a chance to keep this job if he plays well? <laughs> well, it depends. You never know day-to-day, brother. Uh, shoot, if he – what do you – I'll ask you if he throws for 400. What do you think? I think you got to start him the next week. But, I mean, Zach Wilson's your quarterback of the future, yeah. no matter how great Mike White is. That's what I think. No, I hear you, brother. But uh, – you know, I'll, I'll say this. If, if Mike White uh, ends up having to be the starter and he plays his butt off, it'll be a great problem to have. You can't take him out of the lineup, Spencer. No. No, you can't. And, and, and again, this team is not going – this team's not going anywhere this year. It's, a, it's still built for the future. So why rush Zach Wilson back from injury if he's not ready? Why throw him out there if he's not ready? Because at times the game has seemed a little too fast for him. He's trying to adjust – so throw in a guy like Mike White, who even though he hasn't really played much in the NFL, he's at least been you know, getting reps with NFL players in practice for the last four years. I mean, the guy knows what the, what the speed of the game is. So why not have Mike White start? You know, if, if this was something where, you know, Zach Wilson was was totally ready to take over the reins and he was already, a, you know, an established number one quarterback in the NFL and you have a chance to make the playoffs, of course you bring Zach Wilson back in. But with this year, it's built towards the future. Let Zach Wilson sit and watch a little bit if need be. Have Mike White be kind of like a mentor to him and, and, and show how it's supposed to be done. You know, I, I've been impressed with the Jets offense the last couple of weeks with both Mike White and Josh Johnson. 
And that's something that I haven't been able to say in years because the Jets offense has not been impressive in years. So didn't, didn't Aaron Rodgers wait like three years yeah, to behind, be the yeah. starter? Yes. Behind Brett Favre. Sometimes that's okay to learn that's what a I'm little saying. bit. I said it earlier, I think it was in our opening segment. Sometimes the expectations are ridiculous. It seems like in the modern age of football, you draft a guy, a quarterback in the first round, he's supposed to start immediately and be good. That's yeah. not realistic. Justin Fields looked good last night, especially at the end of that game, but it's taken a while. Yeah. And it's it's not it's not done. He's not a finished product. He's going to make rookie mistakes. He also has a coach that makes questionable decisions in how he manages Justin Fields being the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Well, but also if you're if you're the Jets, it's almost like a perfect storm this year because not only do you have a rookie quarterback that comes in with those expectations, but he's still a rookie quarterback. You have a rookie head coach and you have a rookie offensive coordinator. You have all three guys who are learning on the job right now. So how can you expect the team to have instant, you know, unbelievable success? You can't. You've got to be more realistic. This is a development year for both for all three of Robert Sala, Mike LaFleur, and and uh, Zach Wilson. This That's what it is. It's a development year. They're building a foundation here. I still feel like the Jets are moving in the right direction. And, of course, are they still a laughing stock until they prove that they're not like the New York Knicks did? Yes, of course. You're going to make jokes about the Jets. They're in the basement, blah, um, blah, blah. But they're on the right path, I think. How many Jets fans are there really in Central New York? You and what four or five others? No, you know what? You'd be surprised actually because I drive <laughs> around and I see a lot. Like I, I, I actually have to say I'm pleasantly surprised with how much Jets paraphernalia that I've seen around around the area. All right, I'll give you that. This is Soundcheck X31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Let, let's flip back to the Monday Night Football game last night. So Tony Carrenti is is the official involved with throwing out his hip. Uh, Bears Cassius Marsh gets the taunting penalty. Uh, why do they even create this? That's the question. Freddie Coleman last night said this. When did this become such a problem that the NFL felt they had to legislate it? That's what I'm trying to figure out when it comes to the taunting because even when they put it in place, there were plenty of players and coaches that were saying, why do we need this? Because this was not an issue in the National Football League. If you're so worried about players doing that, then believe me, I've seen far worse taunting. Oh, God. That was never called. You know what it used to be called in the NFL? Personal foul. Unsportsmanlike conduct. You can file that under that category. And why are you giving officials a chance to not have any doubt put in their mind about if a player is taunting or not taunting? Because what are they going to do? They're going to call the taunting penalty. Because they don't want to get in trouble with the officiating union that they didn't call it. Then the next thing you know, they get slipped down to lesser games. They don't get an extra playoff check by having a chance to referee playoff games. But this did not seem to be a problem in the National Football League. Why did they feel the need to put this as part of the legislative body when the competition committee is still boggling my mind? This is about as bad as the tuck rule, as far as I'm concerned. And, of course, what's a catch, like we brought up earlier? You use your eyes and you look. That's a catch. It's not a catch. And it clearly defined the rule. With taunting, listen, that wasn't taunting. I wouldn't have flagged that if I'm an official in that game. And I don't have... A dog in the fight with either one of these teams. I could care less about either one of them. But this, it's been called so much this year. It's taking away from the game. I think that there's a clear cut line that you cross when you're like, there's no doubt he's taunting. There, It's also a step beyond smack talk or exuberance. Or you play a sport. We've all done it. You're in the game. You're in the moment. You're, you're passionate about the play that you just made. And you react quickly. 
And that's perfectly fine. Now, if you push it beyond that, that go that goes beyond, you know, talking a little crap into taunting. And we clearly know the difference. There's also certain gestures and, and body language as well. It, you can tell when there's an even more aggressive stance than, say, somebody who's like, yeah, man, what do you think about that? I own you. I got you. You can't stop me, as opposed to somebody who is taunting or saying, I guess, more threatening things. Mm -hmm. That's the line. Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I off base? You agree? You disagree? No, I mean, I have to. I do have to agree with you here. I think it's it, it's just kind of strange because just within the last few years, the NFL had kind of relaxed their rules about touchdown celebrations. And they, you now have more exuberant and more, uh, I guess, developed touchdown celebrations, choreographed, I would say, touchdown celebrations. And, you know, I, I mean, that that it's more taunting, I think, than just saying, yeah, how you like that after a tackle? Like, they allow that, but it's not okay for you to, you know, stand over somebody and just say something quickly. I think, you know, unless it's an obscene gesture, kind of like to your point where if they're yeah. threatening or whatever, if it's an obscene gesture, Can't you then just I understand tell the difference that. when you see it? Yeah, absolutely. Again, it, it is. It's an emotional game in the in the spirit of competition when you're in the moment. Some, you don't even you don't even think about it. Sometimes things just come out. Sometimes you just say something. You played hockey. Yeah. To the to the level that hey, your high school team won a state championship. Mm -hmm. You're you're in the dirty areas on the ice. You take a hit or you deliver a hit. Somebody has probably said something to you in the heat of the moment, or you have vice versa said something in the heat of the moment that probably outside of the fact that you are in a game, a competitive game, you wouldn't have said. No. At all. 100%. As, as a matter of fact, I have a, a great example. I mean, even in my my adult hockey league, you know, where it's not like uber competitive anymore. I, th just a couple of weeks ago, I got into a little bit of a, a chirp fest with, with some guy on the ice. By the end of the game, you're shaking hands. It's over. You know what I mean? Like, we were going at each other verbally. There we beers in the locker room? There, I, there was one beer. One beer in the locker room. So it wasn't like a... That had nothing to do with and it. And you got the one beer in the locker room? I, ha I had, well, I, I drank half of it before the game, half of it after. <laughs> because one of, one of my teammates handed me the beer, a beer, but I didn't have time to drink it. But anyway, my point is, yes, in the spirit of competition, it doesn't matter what level you're playing. Sometimes, based on the fact that you're you're both going and trying to accomplish something and you get in each other's way, things are going to be said. We weren't taunting each other. I mean, it, it's just, to me, it, that stuff happens. And unless it's egregious and there's an obscene gesture or something really disrespectful said... I, I just don't see. I don't see the issue with it. Well, there'll be a little smack talk when Syracuse plays Louisville on Saturday. Probably be a little bit more if they're hitting some shots tonight against Lafayette. I'm talking about the basketball team. We've got that and a couple of couple of other things that we'll say next. The last thing we'll say today coming up on X31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain Stradamus and Nostra Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Here's the last thing we'll say today. Here's Dan Graziano in relation to the taunting rule. The coaches subcommittee that meets every offseason to present suggestions to the league about rules said there's a taunting rule on the books. It's not being enforced. The coaches are concerned that fights are going to break out and guys are going to get thrown out of the game. Now, we can debate whether that's a legitimate concern or not. It doesn't seem like something we've seen a lot in recent years. But this was a recommendation that that coaches subcommittee made to the league. So this is a taunting rule. The taunting rule exists. We need to enforce it. And that's why the league made it a point of emphasis this year. Anybody who's watched the NFL this year knows you're not supposed to turn to the other team's sideline right. and, and yell at them after a play. And there you go. 
that's where yeah. we're at with this. Yeah. Careful what you wish for, I suppose. Last thing we'll say today before we get you on the block with Brent Axe, the top of the hour, Syracuse Lafayette tonight. Do you think we see walk-ons? Patty Casey, for example, the legend continues. You're going to see him in. How soon we get walk-ons in there? How much do they win by uh, Lafayette? Do they make it a game? What do you think? I, th- I I think Syracuse will come out a little bit rusty in the first half. It just seems like they kind of start a little bit slow early in the year. Yep. I think the second half will be a, a different story. I think it'll be somewhat close in the first half. They'll pull away in the second half. I do think, excuse me, I do think that we see Patty Casey. I think I think he gets like seven and a half minutes. You're going to see Joe Girard run a little pick and roll, facilitating a little bit more. 100%. You get a little something out of Jesse Edwards offensively. 100%. I, I want to see how he's developing uh, I want to see how this rebounding looks tonight. I, I understand it's a step down to the Patriot League, but I think everybody has said that we can all agree, and we don't agree on much, hmm. that rebound's going to be one of the biggest concerns for this team. But you just want to see Cole get into a rhythm, hit a few shots, Buddy hit a few shots. You just kind of want to see everybody get theirs a little bit and get through this first one and, and uh, get this season underway tonight against Lafayette. Yeah, and I do I do think that Jimmy Bayheim gets in double figures tonight. I think he has a nice a nice orange debut. Yeah, there's there's something there. He's ready to yep. play for his dad and join his brother. That's for sure. Yeah. So, do they win by ten or more? More. Fifteen or more? I would say eighteen to twenty. Okay. All that's right. Where I, that's where I'm going. We'll hold you to that. We'll check back with you tomorrow at two o'clock. Exit thirty one ESPN Radio Q Sports Talk dot com. Axeman coming up next.